Well, happy 16th anniversary, sweet 16 Springbrook. Let's thank the Lord for all His goodness. As I was reflecting uh, this past week, many faithful people came to mind who have uh, worked arm in arm over the years. Some were here, some were not. Um, I, I was thinking of, of one person we see, Anita Bedrowski, who has been uh, so faithful in our children's ministry. She has been teaching the fours and fives for 13 and a half years. Huh? Thirteen and a half years. She was here last night and took a chance to uh, opportunity to honor her. And it's not a mistake or an accident that God brought Anita here. It was His plan. He knew that we needed an Anita. How many of you have had children go through Anita's classroom? Uh, look at that. I know Lori and I are so thankful. All our kids went through her classroom, and, and she's just one out of so many who have been so faithful to our work here. And this faithfulness comes because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. We look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. It says, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now, for those of you who grew up in a Catholic church, you were taught that this was the foundational passage for the papacy, that Peter was the first pope. But of course, we don't believe that. We believe that Peter was not the rock. Peter was just a man, a man who did wonderful things through the power of God. But in the context of this passage, Peter's the one who makes a confession. And he tells Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, you're right. Yes. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, he's not talking about Peter. He's talking about himself. Because Peter has just said, you're the Son of God. And Jesus Christ says, yes, and upon me, upon this rock, I will build my church. And that's the rock that our family is built upon. The rock of Jesus Christ, the source of all life. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It's the image of us rushing the gates of hell, rescuing people from that eternity. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? Well, I believe it means the gospel. I will give you the gospel because the gospel is the key into the kingdom of heaven. No one will enter into the kingdom of heaven, into a relationship with God, without the knowledge of the gospel and accepting the free gift. Of salvation. Now, he was giving that to Peter as a spiritual leader, giving him the keys. But each of us also has that opportunity to give that key to someone else and tell them about how they can enter into the kingdom. And that's what we've been doing for 16 years. We've been proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ 
in McHenry County. And we've seen countless people through the power of the Spirit become Christ followers. We've seen even more grow deeper in their walk with God and mature and become more like Jesus Christ. And it just has been a wonderful thing to be a part of. God has blessed us in so many ways. Another verse that comes to mind as I think about the last 16 years is Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God has been so faithful to this ministry. He's been so faithful in the good times. He's been so faithful in the challenging times. God is always faithful. He's been faithful in bringing people to this ministry, people who are leaders, people who are ministers, people who have given and contributed so much in so many different ways. He's always provided for us financially. And He's always given us a roof over our heads. First at Lake in the Hills for three years, and then Jacob's for six and a half, and now six and a half here in our worship facility, our ministry center. And I'd like you to watch this video, which kind of, Reminds us of some of the great people that God has brought into our ministry as well as how He's always given us shelter. It was back in the fall of 1995. I was going to Jewel to do a little grocery shopping, and I met this man who was starting a church in the Lake and Hills Algonquin area, and he wondered, of the three names that he had chosen, which one did I like the best? I chose Springbrook. Little did I know, Springbrook just chose me. About a month later, I got a phone call from a man who was starting a new church in the area. And I said, hey, were you that guy that I met at Jewel about a month ago? And he said, yeah, that was me. So Kevin and I went to the informational meeting. We found out about the launch team and joined up. And our first preview services were in the fall of 1996 at Lake in the Hills Elementary School. And the rest is history. Uh, in 1997, we were looking for a church to attend, and we received a postcard from Springbrook that they were meeting here at Lake in the Hills. And uh, we decided to come and, and check it out, and we were looking for a church uh, with uh, biblical values for our children as well. We came and attended and started coming, uh, really got involved in ministry in different areas. Our children were involved in Awana, and uh, we've been, it's been a blessing to us and our family, and we've been attending Springbrook for the last 15 years. We started coming to Springbrook in 2001 when we actually met here at Jacobs High School. At the time, we were looking for something more in a church, and we were immediately drawn to the uh, friendliness of the people and Dan's message, and our kids have grown up here involved in uh, the youth group and different ministries uh, in the church. And my wife and I uh, were driving down Algonquin Road here, and we saw this fairly new-looking church building. And we've been looking for a church to call home since 2009 when we got married. Uh, so we decided to stop by one Sunday morning and visit. And we were very intrigued 
by the worship music and the message touched our hearts and we've been here ever since. And since then we've helped start the college age group. Um, we're also heavily involved in the worship team. I sing and Dave plays the bass and with the college age group it's helped us grow um, immensely spiritually and that's one of the reasons why we have been here for two years and that's why we call Spring Work our home. Another verse that comes to mind as I think about this anniversary is 1 Thessalonians 1, verses 2 through 3. We gave thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's how I feel about you guys. I just uh, constantly... Give thanks for all you do, for who you are, and uh, the things that are listed here. I, I'm praying for you, supporting you, and remembering, just remembering all that God has done through you. I think about the steadfastness of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the bond that we have together through the Holy Spirit, is our hope in Jesus Christ that we are unified in Him. And no matter what happens in this life, no matter what pain we experience, we have His love and His promises, and we have the support and encouragement from a, a wider family. I was talking with Frank and Linda Marsico. This is a picture of them at a, a picnic. And uh, Frank, as many of you know, has liver cancer. And they found out just recently that they can't cure the cancer, but there might be a drug that can slow it down. So I would ask you to pray with me for Frank and Linda as they go through this very difficult time. I was in their home recently and talking with them and facing the most challenging thing a person can face, an illness like this, and just hearing them speak of their faith and hope in Jesus Christ and the steadfastness of hope that they have, even though it's not a very encouraging situation. That uh, just lifts uh, my heart so much. I, I, I've learned so much from you guys about how to live the Christian life because I've seen you model it. I've seen you live it out, and I've seen you in very difficult situations, and you still have... Uh, unbelievable faith in God. And uh, you have, again, made such a difference in growing my faith. And that's what it means to be part of a family as we model what it means to follow Jesus in all different types of circumstances. And that increases everyone's faith that comes in contact with you. So I want to thank you for that. Also, another thing in this verse is a labor of love. Oh, there's so much labor that goes on around here, a labor of love, of helping people to grow in Christ. I think of all the people who work to encourage our kids, to teach our kids, to show them that Jesus Christ needs to be at the center of their lives uh, in our children's ministry on the weekends, in our WANA clubs that just got started up for, again, another year, and for our youth ministry. So I would like everyone involved 
in any of those ministries up through high school to stand at this time. We just want to thank you for your labor of love. Again, KOTK, Awana, teen program. All right. Amen. We want to thank you for discipling our kids. And uh, you parents, as you go back to pick up your kids, be sure to thank those who serve you during this service for how they're building into your children spiritually. Uh, the third area, uh, it says a work of faith. A work of faith. And as I reflect on this year, I think about our HeartStrong vision campaign and how my spirit just soared as I saw you embrace our HeartStrong vision and then step out in faith and support it financially. Over $600,000 worth of faith commitments. And then, as of last week, you have given to the Lord's ministry $150,000 for a HeartStrong initiative. Let's thank the Lord for that, huh? That's worth a yay God. You ready? One, two, three. Yay God. Oh, that's way too weak. You guys got to wake up. Pretend you're at a Bears game. Come on, all right? One, two, three. Yay, God! Oh, much better. Much better. Yeah, that's something to celebrate. Again, 50% of those funds go toward uh, sustaining the current ministries uh, that we have that go on, like all the children's ministry I talked about and everything else we do here at Springbrook. And then 25% go towards uh, Jeff Osborne, our first full-time worship leader, and supporting him over a three-year period, and then 25% go towards a compassion initiative and a family initiative that I'll talk about later. So thank you for your faithfulness in that way. In fact, let's revisit our HeartStrong vision. That's based on Luke 10:27, the great commandment. Jesus Christ was answered, what uh, was asked, that is, what is the greatest commandment? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So how shall we love God? All our heart, all our soul, all our strength, with all our mind, with every fiber of our being, because He is our God, and He has provided salvation, and He has transformed us. Our whole lives should be committed over to Him, and your neighbor as yourself. So love God. And love others. The way we broke it down was love God together, love God one-on-one, -on -one, and then love our community and love our families. So let's briefly walk through that and talk about what we're doing together. The first thing is to love God together. We want to be better worshipers in our family. We, we want to work harder at giving our praise and glory to God. Because He's given us so much. John 4.23 says that God is looking for people who know how to worship. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. So He wants us to worship in truth and spirit. Spirit and truth. Truth is from the mind. 
the idea that what we learn from about God in this book, uh, we learn in truth, and then we respond with our spirit, with our emotions, with our passion. We give all our love and glory uh, to God as we did this morning, and we'll do later in singing to Him. We want to worship with body and soul. Body and soul. It starts with the soul. As I've reminded you, when you're, you're singing, think about the words. Meditate on the words, what you're saying to God. It's a prayer to God. It's based on truth. And then let your spirit be taken away with that. In the way that you sing. Sing out, even though you don't think you have that great a voice. Most people don't think they have that great a voice. Okay, so don't be afraid. Just let's sing out to Him. And as the Spirit leads, we want to encourage you uh, to be more demonstrative in your worship. To move your body. When the Bears played last Sunday, we won't talk about this past Thursday. We'll forget that, okay? That, that didn't happen, all right? But last Sunday, okay, when they played, I'm sure that you demonstrated with your body something when they scored a touchdown. Oh, that was great. Yeah, good progress. All <laughs> right, go Bears, you know. Well, of course, uh, we need to be more comfortable about being excited about God. That just means moving a little bit when we're singing or clapping our hands or raising our arms, whatever, you know. We just need to loosen up and show God uh, through our bodies that uh, we're responding to Him. Okay? Uh, another thing we're doing is, well, the second thing, after worshiping in body and soul, is you want to show up. That's 50% of the game, right? Just showing up and showing up on time. Thank you for working on that. I appreciate that because, again, every moment we have together is precious. Uh, we need to show up to weekend worship and small groups and all the other activities we have here at Springbrook that are applicable because that's one of the main ways we change is by being together with other people. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 talks about doing life together and the importance of being with one another. Verse 24, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So what are we supposed to do with each other as Christ followers? Well, we're supposed to Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Encourage one another. Challenge each other to do more and more for God. And then uh, we're to encourage one another in our spiritual walk. But then he says, let us not give up meeting together because he's saying the way you do that, the primary way you do that is by being with other Christ followers. And so when we talk about being better worshipers, we need to make our time on the weekends and other times a priority. Well, I look back 16 years. Let's see. Brian. Brian here? Uh, Brian was five years old. Wesley was three years old. <laughs> Tommy was one. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's a long time ago. And uh, I tell you what. We would have done this if, we, if I wasn't the pastor. But we just said, hey, this is our family. And this is one of the top priorities in our life, is doing life with other Christ followers. And that meant that we were here 
pretty much every week, which is something we did, uh, in order that we might learn God's Word and worship and uh, be exposed to other people who love Jesus. And I want to thank you for discipling my children because my children have been here for 16 years, okay? And I want to thank you, all of those who are formal teachers of my children, like Miss Anita and many, many others. I want to thank you for your informal relationship with my children, if you've known them, because they've, they've seen other adults, and you've modeled for them what it means to be a Christ follower at all different ages of their life. And I am so glad that Lori and I made that commitment. Even when they didn't want to go to youth group, we said, you're going to youth group. Okay, this is the way it works around here. Spiritual development is the number one priority. And Lori and I will never have to regret and look back. I wish we would have made our, our, our children's spiritual development more of a priority. Now, they're going to make their own decisions. They all do. You know, uh, but at the same time, we did what we could at home and at church to encourage them spiritually. And I know there's many families here uh, who are, are committed to doing life together at this church. And at the same time, they want their children to do well academically. They want them to do well athletically and musical talents and abilities. That's all great. But my concern for some families who have not yet matured to this point of putting the spiritual priority as the number one priority, and therefore they give their prime time over to other events for their children. And really what they're thinking is that whatever they're involved in outside of being part of a family that meets together regularly is going to do, is going to, I don't know, get them farther in life than a commitment uh, to this family. But as your pastor, as somebody who loves you, especially you with children that are under 18, the most important thing you can do for your kids is to get them involved in this church family. And if they're teenagers, Justin can help you. Sometimes teenagers aren't as excited if they haven't been involved uh, in the past. But again, that's the most important thing. And and everything else flows from that. And, And men... I challenge you as men to be leaders in your home and to say, hey, we're going to be with the family every weekend. And we're going to be part of a small group. And, and kids, you're going to Awana. We don't want to go to Awana. You're going to Awana. All right? I don't want to go to the kids of the You're going to kids of the kingdom, right? Uh, I don't want to go to the youth group. You're going to the youth group. Okay? We're going to work it out. We'll talk about it and stuff like that. But this is the most important thing I can do for you because I... Friends, I've done enough counseling. You know, when people come to me, they're not crying about that they didn't get good enough grades in high school. They're not crying about the fact that they didn't, you know, have enough soccer experience or they don't know how to play musical instruments. They're crying about spiritual issues. They're crying about their lack of spiritual maturity sometimes. So invest in your kids. Stand for your kids. Grow with your kids. Put it number one. Amen? Amen. All right. And I just say that out of love. I really do. Because I, I just want what's best for you. Okay? All right. Let's talk about loving God one on one. 
Again, drive-by spirituality, you know, we come to church, listen to podcasts. But so many times we do not make a priority uh, spending the one person, spending time with the one person that we need to spend time with, and that's Jesus Christ. Because he's the source of all life, isn't he? And that's what we have been talking about, a part of our heart-strong vision is we want to love God one-on-one. It's really difficult to do. It's really difficult to set time aside and to, to be involved in that because it's so foreign, and that's why we continue to talk about it because it's so important, but at the same time, it's so challenging. So we've encouraged you in having a daily office. Now, I had time, whatever term you want to use, I like that term because it's a different type of term. It helps me to think about it in a new way of just really spending time with Jesus and more than once a day, as you feel led, to just be aware of the fact that he needs to be a part of your everyday life. Everything you do, he needs to be weaved into and learning meditation and learning about journaling, as we talked about in the last couple of weeks, learning about the silence. Jesus Christ went alone uh, to be in solitude. Uh, we look at uh, the verses we looked at last week. Uh, when we were talking about developing your faith muscle with the feeding of the 5,000 and uh, Peter walking on the water, how Jesus Christ was teaching his disciples to develop their faith. But remember what happened? He lost his very best friend. I believe one of his very best friends, John the Baptist, who was his cousin, and they'd grown up together. And in verse 13, when he had heard this, now when Jesus heard this about John, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place, by himself. By himself. I was talking to Tori Meyer just before the service, and she lost her mom this past week and just had the service and praying for you, Tori. And, you know, when you're hurting, you need time with people, but you also need just time alone with Jesus and just to pour your heart out to him. And, man, oh, I'm just so overwhelmed. But what a tremendous loss as an apparent. And uh, that's where Jesus Christ was. Then at the end of the day, after the feeding of the 5,000, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up by, on the mountain by himself to pray. Jesus had to have time with his Father. And I've said many times, this verse alone, it's enough of a motivator saying, hey, if Jesus needed that time, how much more does Dan need this time with Jesus to be refueled and encouraged and to cultivate that relationship and what we need to realize is that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, not only did he pay the penalty of our sin, which if we accept that free gift of salvation, we're going to spend eternity with God, but also he gave us the power over sin. He broke uh, the, the sinful, uh, uh, the sinful uh, we were slaves of sin. And no, we're no longer slaves of sin. He gives us the power now to follow Him. He gives us the power to become more like Jesus. But the only way that's going to happen as you, is, is if you cultivate that relationship with Him on a regular basis. And then you're going to see God change your life in wonderful ways. So loving God one-on-one. Then, a part of our heart-strong vision is loving our community loving our community. We, we want our, 
our heart to grow here at Springbrook larger and larger for people in need. It's interesting in Mark 8, 2, that Jesus Christ, uh, well, it's the story of the feeding of the 4,000. It's another episode of him feeding a large crowd like he did, as we talked about last week. Uh, but it, listen to what he has to say here. I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. Now, he wasn't at this point concerned about their spiritual needs, but he was concerned about their physical needs. These people are hungry. They need some, something to eat, and his heart was moved by their physical hunger. Jesus Christ and God and the Holy Spirit, the triune God, they hurt over people who are in need. And it's interesting as you look at uh, Matthew chapter 25, a preview of the, the judgment. And Jesus Christ says to the righteous, He says, You fed me. You clothed me. You gave me shelter. You fed me in prison. You visited me and are going, When did we do that, Jesus? And, and this is uh, what we read here, verse 37. Then the righteous will answer Him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you as a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. The least of these, the people who are in need the people who are hungry, the people who need clothes, the people who are unemployed, the people who are in emotional pain. As we minister to those people, we're actually ministering to Jesus Christ. And when you see a homeless person and you go up to them and you minister to them in a wise way, right? You're actually ministering to Jesus Christ. What a powerful motivator for us, knowing that we're caring for Christ. We are the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Our youth have always led the way in this area of expressing compassion. Uh, pastor Justin Searles, our, our youth pastor, uh, leads our kids in compassion and does such a great job of it. When kids are, you know, on summer vacation, they're looking to go to camps, they're looking to go to vacations, you know, fun things. But Pastor Justin has led them in serving. They, they went on an uh, event, uh, went to an event called the Revolution of Love for the past two years and this past year, Pastor Justin led it. And it's a four-day event where they just serve people in our community. So what they did is they went up to the Crystal Lake Food Pantry and helped them with their facility, and then they went to the Wayside Center where we bought that new computer system from our uh, annual year-end offering this past year. They helped out at that facility, and then they went to a place called Braveheart, which is a unique type of therapy for special need kids. They use horses uh, in helping these kids, uh, and they cleaned out the stalls our kids did. <laughs> and uh, they cleaned up uh, yards at different people's homes. 
And they even went into Carpentersville, and there's this one park that was just filled with poison ivy. And so six of our boys got totally covered, and they went in, and they cleaned this place up, and they got a letter of commendation from the mayor of Carpentersville. But, but here are young people. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd be sure to thank Pastor Justin. Uh, for leading them in this way. But they were the hands and feet of Jesus. We're going to watch a quick video here that shows some of those images that I just talked about. Beautiful, huh? All right. And they are setting an example uh, for us. And we're pursuing this vision. We had our backpack drive, 150 backpacks that were distributed uh, last month uh, up in this area as well as down in Elgin. We also had our first uh, event where we brought the Northern Illinois Food Bank truck in, and your heartstrong resources paid uh, for this event. Uh, again, they set it up on tables, and we had 75 families come out, and that was about 175 people all together, and they got about a week's worth of food. 
And as I was talking with people and Rich was talking with people, they just were so grateful that we did this because underemployed, unemployed, uh, they really needed uh, this food. And we're going to do this again in October. So write down your communication card if you'd like to be a part of that. But again, this is the way that we minister to our community. And then, of course, in November we'll have our Thanksgiving baskets and our Thanksgiving for sailors. And then in December we'll have Operation Christmas Child and we'll have Angel Tree again. And we also have a compassion team that's been formed. And we're going to be talking about a long-range strategy to use our heart-strong compassion funds in the best way possible to impact our community. So we just want to continue to pray that God would grow our heart. In fact, if you look in your program, you'll see another compassion activity that we'll be involved in next week, and that's where we'll be having a blood drive here at the church during uh, the services. So I encourage you to stop by our table back there, and you can sign up uh, for a time, or you can also just walk in at any particular time. But uh, let's give our blood. There's so many people who are sick, who need transfusions, and this is a way that we can be Jesus uh, to them. Lastly, uh, as part of our HeartStrong Vision, we talk about loving our families. And I'm looking forward to next week because we're going to be getting our series, RX, our relationship, RX, the Love at Last Sight Challenge. And let's take a quick look at a video here that tells us about what the series is going to be about. last sight challenge. What relationship do you want to change? This is not a marriage series. Of course, you can apply these things to marriage, but you can apply it to your relationship with your child or your teenager or your adult child or whatever, whatever relationship that you want to strengthen. And this is our outreach series. We're inviting our community and we're saying, hey, relationships, everybody wants to improve their relationships. But we're going to show them biblically how to do it and also tell them about the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's look at some of the topics we'll be looking at as we move throughout this. This is a, this is a church-wide campaign. So we're studying these materials. Our youth are studying the materials. Our small groups are studying uh, the materials. So next week, we're kicking it off, and I'll be teaching on the art of being all there. <laughs> I think about at home when I'm working on my computer and somebody comes up to me and sometimes they talk to me and they'll say, you're not listening. 
I'll say, sure, I can just repeat everything back to you. Uh, but I'm not all there for them, right? So I've got this uh, wristband, which you can buy for a dollar back there if you're into wristbands. So it says, be all there. And so I'm trying to grow in that area of being all there uh, for my family and for anybody uh, that uh, I'm relating uh, to. Uh, the second thing we're going to talk about is the art of acting intentionally, serving one another, random acts of kindness. We're going to ask each small group to find one compassion project that they can do to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Then after that, we'll be talking the art of risking awkwardness, dealing with uh, su- sensitive subjects in a relationship you have with somebody. Then the art of letting go, letting go of our pride, letting go of our selfishness. That many times is the problem. The other person is not the main problem, right? Uh, The art of identifying your love style and the art of understanding others' love style. This will be very interesting. What we're going to do is we're going to encourage you to all take a survey, and we're going to uh, talk about biblical principles in relationship to how we love one another, how each of us is unique in the way that we love. And we're also going uh, to bring in someone uh, through our HeartStrong Resources uh, for a workshop on two different Friday nights, identical workshops, to help us talk about, again, this whole love style issue. So talking about how can we better love one another. We also have uh, something called Leadership uh, Community or Leadership Community Gatherings. It's on this yellow sheet here if you pull it out of your programs and uh, we want to encourage you to come to this as we prepare for our open house as we invite people out to our church again this is going to be tomorrow and tuesday and wednesday and i and rich will be leading it and we're just going to talk about uh this fall here at springbrook and we ask leaders to be there small group host leaders if you're leading any other adults uh, in a particular ministry, you're a director of something. We really want to ask everybody who wants to come out, who has any interest in our ministry or wants to see how things are working. We would love to have you. I love it because I get more face time with people. I'm able to sit down and talk with people and dialogue, and it's just a great time together. In fact, what we're going to do also with our leadership gatherings is we're going to use this survey. Uh, well, we're going to use the people who come to the leadership gatherings as a kind of a beta test group to see how you like it and what questions you have and how we can better present it to our whole congregation. Uh, so it will be a free resource uh, we'll give you, and I'm, you're going to find it very fascinating because uh, I've worked with this in the past. So uh, that is what we'll be doing uh, with that area. So how can we get ready for this Relationship Rx? Well, first join a small group. If you see in your programs you have a blue insert, and if you're not part of a small group, this is a great time to jump in and join one because we're all going to be studying the same curriculum. So you can fill this out or go back to the ministry counter and talk to Pastor Rich or anybody else that's near the small group area, and they can help match up with the best day, uh, with the particular age group, or whatever your concerns might be. They can answer your questions. But that's when you really start to feel a part of our family here, when you're involved in a small group particularly also ministry, whenever you get to know other people, that enriches your experience. Uh, Also, uh, buy the materials, two books. Uh, We have these two books, uh, $10 a piece. Uh, This is the hardcover book. This is a small group guide. You'll want to pick those up. Uh, The third thing is to download the app. There's one on iPhone and one on 
Android, but they have different coaching videos, things you can find on the web as well, but also there's some unique things and it's a fun thing to use as you go through it. And then also invite a friend or neighbor. Be thinking again about who you might invite out. Last week we had people write three names down on a postcard or an index card of who they might invite out and to start praying for those people. And we gave you the invite cards. I think you got a couple today, and there's more on the counter. Let's uh, be bold. I, I've invited uh, a neighbor. I've invited, oh, let's see, a policeman. I wasn't being arrested or anything. Uh, <laughs> I was in another situation. But um, I've invited, not bad, uh, and uh, I invited my hairstylist. So I'm, I'm, I keep working on it. Uh, so you work on it too. Okay, and let's pray that the people would come. Attend the morning of prayer. If you look at the yellow sheet here, all right, morning of prayer. Uh, this is so critical. If we want to see God do great things through our ministry, it's got to start out with prayer. We're not going to do it on our own. So I really think that when God looks down on Saturday morning, I think he looks at, well, how many people are showing up to this thing? This is just my personal thought. How serious is Springbrook about prayer? How much are they really dependent upon me? So maybe you've never come out to something like this. Well, I would encourage you to give it a try. We've got uh, six different hours you can come out, and you don't have to pray out loud. Just be there and experience what it means to be part of a family that prays uh, together. And you can fill that out and put that uh, in the offering, we would love to have you as a part of those special gatherings as we prepare uh, for this open house. The next thing you can do is reach out to people on the weekends. Reach out to people on the weekends. I want to encourage you guys, as I always do whenever we head into these seasons, is be aware of people around you. As people come into a church, you know how that is. When you first came into a church for the uh, first time, you're doing church visits to find out what church you're going to, you're always wondering, okay, what's this church like? And especially right after the service, you're wondering, is anybody going to care that I'm here? Right? Well, that's what we need to do is we need to go up to people. And if you're shy, find a partner and go up and say, hey, nice to meet you. How long have you been attending Springbrook? Well, 10 years or this is my first time. doesn't matter. You're getting to know them, Right? And uh, you're welcoming them, which makes anybody feel good to be welcomed. And just strike up a conversation. So our rule is, if you're a regular attender here, don't talk to anybody you know <laughs> for the first five minutes. Uh, because we are serving on the weekends. We are making contact with other people who want to make connections. And if we just stay in our little cliques, that's not going to help people, right? We have all week to talk to each other. I mean, after five minutes, then go ahead and talk to anybody you want. <laughs> you see what I'm saying here? It's an outreach. We're, we're, we're trying to show people the love of Jesus Christ. So I encourage you to do that. Now, one thing I'm really excited about is how our homemaker, home makeover is coming uh, together. Here are some pictures that you've seen. Uh, our guest center, uh, we've got some couches out here uh, that people can rest and enjoy. And our cafe is shaping up. Uh, the coffee pots are about to go in, the gourmet coffee pots. We've got our automated check-in, which makes it a lot easier uh, for you. And, of course, our ministry counter, that whole area has been transformed. And uh, we have the cafe again 
and uh, then just an area to hang out and relax. And uh, we're starting now on the children's area and doing a lot of paintings. In fact, Janice Straley did a wonderful job here. Uh, it's going to be called Kid City. That's a new name for our children's ministry. And again, this just <laughs> excites me because I know as new people come in, they'll feel like this is more of a home than just a big room like it used to be our atrium area. So I want to thank Pastor Richard for his leadership uh, in this area. He's given so much time to it and many others, Val Searles and Zalettis and Bill Sickman, Phil Gannison, and I go on and on. But it's coming together. And we want to thank you for the resources you gave to make that possible. Now let's have our ushers come forward and as we give to the Lord our love gifts uh, for all that he does for us. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for giving me the privilege of being the pastor here at Springbrook over the last 16 years. What a tremendous gift gift you gave to me. Uh, Thank you for all the people that uh, are so supportive of me and encouraging and helpful. Thank you for how you've used them to change my life to make me more like you, to teach me about what it means to be a true disciple. And I just I just want to say thanks. In Christ's name, amen.